to, we found the pretty much the, one of the cheapest cars that you can buy on eBay. And we went down to Southampton, which is on the south coast of England, bought this, paid this guy who was a farmer, and he was actually using the car to push scrap metal across his field. That's, that is the car that we bought. It didn't have a floor. It, it had hardly anything. And he said, so what are you planning to do with this? And, and then we said, well, we need to go back up to Leeds, which is probably about a three-hour drive. It was at that point he almost fell over. And then, and then we said, and then we're going to take it to Mongolia. And his face was just like, what? This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Episode 133, World Records in an Adventure Academy with Matt Pryor. Hi, and welcome back to another Adventure Sports Podcast episode. This is Travis Parsons. With me today is Matt Pryor. Matt started out in the British military, um, has made himself a, a life of adventure. I mean, he still flies aircraft. He re, he is the founder of the Matt Pryor Adventure Academy, which we're going to go into a little bit later. This guy is romping around the world doing some really cool things. So I wanted to get him on so you guys could hear his stories about what he's seen and what he's done and maybe get a little inspiration about you know what it is Matt's been doing. So Matt, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me on. So let's get into Matt Pryor a little bit. I want to I want to introduce you. I want to have you talk about who you are, kind of how you grew up, what your background is. How did you end up uh, in such an adventurous life? Um, well, it wasn't planned, that's for sure. <laughs> um, I've always been sort of outdoor minded and love going outside and love exploring as it, as it were as a kid and climbing trees and building dens. And I guess it just built from that, really. And then I got into... Um, beavers, cubs and scouts and into sort of military cadets and then I sort of just continued that into my adult life um, and the more I did the more curious I got and the more I pushed myself out of the comfort, my comfort zone I'm, the more I got used to thinking no oh, this isn't too comfortable but once you push through and get out the other side you're really glad and then obviously these levels just keep moving up and up and up and up um, yeah all the way up until the military and then once I was in the military I started getting a bit more established and um I became a expedition leader and um, yeah, a fast jet pilot and things were going well and I was doing things in my spare time. I was trying to do crazier countries and crazier vehicles um, to sort of fulfill my curiosity, really. That was the main thing that I've been pursuing my whole life, just curiosity about I wonder what happens in these countries and I wonder what happens if I go and do this and I wonder if this is possible. Um, and then things changed quite a bit in 2011. I got made redundant after signing up for 18 years. I only served six, and that was a bit of a shock to the system. So it was just a life reset, really. And so I did what I was did when I was 12. I got a piece of paper and write down, wrote down everything that made me tick and everything that I liked doing in life, and then went on a quest again to find out, like to find a, a new path, as it were. And that's when I decided mm, I'm probably going to go to Hong Kong and leave Europe. I'll continue flying. But being an airline pilot gives you the time 
um, to experiment with other things. And that's that's the sort of phase I'm still in at the moment. So over the last sort of three or four years, I've been dipping my toe and continuing with adventures. And now I've set this business up and, yeah, there's more things in the pipeline. So it's good. It's good fun. It's very varied. Very cool. Well, I was, you know, in researching you, the the two words that have popped up continuously are, in my mind, to describe you are spontaneity and and curiosity, and that that seems to really encompass your whole uh, outlook on life and and drive you. Yeah, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people like to describe themselves as spontaneous. I mean, I wouldn't. I'm, I'm not sure if I'd use that to describe myself. I'd I'd like to go with more random. I'm going to beg to differ in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. But I just, yeah, I do. I, I am quite random in stuff and I do sort of jump opportunities and sometimes I just go, go, go. So, um, yeah, I guess, I guess it's spontaneous, uh, spontaneous to some extent. <laughs> okay. So uh, before I launch into your, your, the spontaneity piece yeah. I, was, I was alluding to, um, let's go back to the military level. Okay. So you, pretty much signed up military you know, early on it sounds like you started flying early on and your your desire for adventure took you to aircraft i mean how is how is that for you i mean obviously it's turned into uh, a career mm-hmm. um at least if 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 interim you're you're flying jets out of hong kong um but how is flying for you i mean is that really fulfill it fulfill it for you i mean flying a military jet's got to be pretty darn cool yeah i mean uh... When I decided at 12 that I was going to go and be a military fast jet pilot, I was just like, okay, how am I going to do this? And I didn't come from the greatest background, and we didn't have a load of cash. And, um, and so that's why I got into cadets, because that was a sort of a free way of flying, as it were. And so from the age of 15, I was getting used to gliders and then getting into smaller planes. And um, yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, it's like a whole new world up there. It's, it's, um, it's an extra dimension to the planet, as it were. And, yeah, and then, absolutely. And then I started realizing, hmm, actually, I'm, I'm reasonably good at this. Maybe I could actually make this happen. And then I got sponsored through university and, um, yeah, kept going, really. And some of the flying that I've done is, yeah, by far, obviously, the best things that I've done in my life. I mean, low level at five, 600 miles an hour all over the UK. Um, I've seen some amazing sights. And then now flying internationally, it's, it's almost a little bit of a privilege, really. And, and I really do... Um, I don't know. I feel a, a, a little bit lucky when when I'm going over, but then at the end of the day, it's just a culmination in hard work. But yeah, I love it. And in the future, I'd love to start combining this adventurous side of me with flying. Um, I looked at actually flying for the United Nations, or and I've just picked up uh, paramotoring. Actually, do you know what that is? Yeah, is that you mean with uh, basically a parasail and an engine on? The yeah, thing? yeah. I love and right. so that sort of gives people access to flying for not too much money. And um, you can take off and land when you want. And uh, I'm, I'm quite a fan of low level. I don't like going too high. I, th- I think <laughs> you sort of lose the attachment with Earth if you go too high. But if you can just buzz over the trees at low level and over the beaches and stuff like that, it's great fun. So no spy planes for you, just low, um, low level well, fun stuff. Well, if, if we're talking that high, then it is fun because obviously then you're at the edge of the atmosphere and you can see, you can start to see space and all that sort of stuff. And uh, one of my best flights I did in the military actually um we went up to oh how high was it they put it in flight levels flying but about fifty thousand feet yeah and um on the actual night that i was flying it was crystal clear and i could see both sides of the uk and because we're sort of ten thousand feet above all the airliners that looked like a full road network going on underneath you and then you can see all the cities down below it was incredible it was it was like being 
I don't know, in heaven or something like that. Yeah, I'll bet. That's got to be a, a surreal experience. Yeah, something that I'll, I will, I'll never forget that. And that wasn't exactly <laughs> high adrenaline or anything like that. It was just, like you say, it was it was a bit surreal. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have to say, I've I've brought up the the story before on on some episodes, but the the reason I got back into to motorcycling was because I was standing outside in front of my house watching a a guy with an ultralight. Oh yeah, uh, cruise around, you know, in a, a nice summer evening. It was hot down here, and I'm just looking up at him, thinking, man, that's so peaceful. Yeah. He's cool, you know, in the breeze, and the temperatures are better. Yeah. I turned to my wife. I said, I'm going to buy one of those. And she said, no, you're not. I'd rather see you on a motorcycle. <laughs> oh, really? I ended up on a motorcycle. So she somehow thought that was more dangerous than <laughs> really? a motorcycle. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, motorbikes can be pretty bloody dangerous. But as long as you respect them, they are amazing fun. Agreed. Agreed. So now to the spontaneity piece. Okay. You, you, uh, you made me laugh because, you know, wouldn't describe yourself as spontaneity. Uh, spontaneity. Spontaneous. Spontaneous. I don't know. I just associate it to one of these gimmicky dating profiles, you know, when everyone writes it. <laughs> so I thought that's the first thing I think. I'm like, right, don't call yourself spontaneous because you're just going to put yourself in that bracket, man. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I think it only works if you uh, you team it up with likes long walks on beaches. Right? <laughs> yeah. As long as you don't do that. <laughs> So the spontaneity, um, one of your, the things you had done uh, early on in your adventurous lifestyle was you and a buddy spent 150 uh, 150 pounds on a car and decided to go on a trip. Now, Mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of planning going into this. Um, Tell our listeners this story. I think it's such a cool story. And I, you know, just, I'm kind of in awe, you know, think about taking such a, you know, a, a dilapidated vehicle, maybe. I don't know if dilapidated is the right word, but just taking such a vehicle and putting so much trust that you're going to be able to take such a long trip in it just blows me away that you guys can pull this off. <laughs> well, so let's let's talk about that. Okay, so I, um, like I say, I was sponsored through the military, so I knew after I'd finished university that I was definitely going to join, and I knew that for 18 years my life could be potentially quite controlled, and there'd be a lot of places that I wouldn't be able to go to, and so I thought right, before we go, I need to do a big trip. And the initial plan actually was just to do um, backpacking across the States, which to me at that age was an adventurous idea. Anyway, we started, I went for a drink with some of my friends at Christmas Eve. And um, as you do, probably a few too many went down. And in the morning, I woke up and one of the things that I could remember was something about some guy planning to drive to Mongolia in a crap car. (laughs) And and I don't know I just woke up and I was like this is what I need to do like I I don't want to go to America and do backpacking and stuff I need a real adventure and so I started googling and then I just got a big map out and got a big red pen and just thought if I went through all the so-called dangerous and crazy and unknown countries all the way to Mongolia this would be great fun and um yeah, and I and I just thought it'd really open my eyes to what the world's really like, and I, I was I was hooked by this idea. So I, I rang my mate and I said, "Right, we're not going to the states. Let's do this." And yeah, that was it. And like you say, there wasn't a greater deal of planning. The only planning in terms of visas you have to plan a little bit ahead of time because that's they're a pain in the ass. Um, but apart from that, yeah, we went to we found the pretty much the, one of the cheapest cars that you can buy on eBay, and we went down to Southampton, which is on the south coast of England bought this, paid this guy who was a farmer, and he was actually using the car to push scrap metal across his field. That's, <laughs> that is the car that we bought. It didn't have a floor. It, it had hardly anything. And he said, uh, so what are you planning to do with this? And 
And then we said, well, we need to go back up to Leeds, which is probably about a three hour drive. It was at that point he almost fell over. And then, and then we said, and then we're going to take it to Mongolia. <laughs> and his face was just like, what? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it was great. And, and the beauty of it was the idea wasn't necessarily just to go from A to B successfully. That wasn't the idea. The idea was this thing is going to cause us so many problems and we're going to break down a lot and we're going to have to integrate with the locals. But the beauty of it is, is it, it's not forced. You know, sometimes it can be quite awkward when you're traveling and stuff to integrate because people are just like, oh, why is this person coming over and what wh- what's their agenda? But if you're literally sitting at the side of the road and something's obviously gone wrong with your car, then it's quite, it's fine for you just to go and knock on a door and just say, oh, hi, any chance you can help us with this? I mean, it's obviously you can't talk to many people, so you have to draw pictures and all that sort of stuff. But that, that, that's by far the best way of traveling for me. And I love it. And that's been the spark ever since, really. That just turned everything upside down and showed that actually a good 95% of the people on this planet are really, really good, nice people, um, like very peace loving. And they just, yeah, they just want to help. And and they have the same reaction as you do and everyone else does. They're just like, why the hell are you doing this? And <laughs> how has it got this far? And as we got further and further towards Mongolia, they were more and more blown away, like the border guards and members of government and there's all sorts of people that invite you in their homes and yeah they're just blown away that this because I I don't know especially if you go to poorer countries they sort of associate you with money and all that sort of stuff so to see you in a really crappy car like one worse than theirs uh it just makes them smile that's funny well I imagine you know pulling up to some of these border crossings with all the experiences that you'd had coming across the country and looking at people's faces you must just have big grins on your face just because you know it's coming well you know what you what you can expect from the people that are seeing you come through you never really know what to expect to be honest and of course a lot of these countries we're told on the media like they want to kill you and it's isis and the taliban and are you going to go to jail and they're going to put you in an orange jumpsuit and cut your head off and all that sort of stuff so yeah it was a bit it was a little bit worrying at first and and in all seriousness we didn't really research the countries too much we were just like let's just drive and we'll just take it as it comes. Um, and But yeah, like in Uzbekistan, for example, the border guard, all he was interested in doing is he wanted to go on a test drive in the car. That's, that's literally <laughs> all he wanted to do because we had no key at the time. It was like a we'd rigged the wires up so it was a push-button start. And um, yeah, so we showed him how to get the car started. And yeah, he went off on his own for about 20 minutes. But, but that's what's <laughs> fun about these countries, back. yeah, because there's not really strict rule of law let's say so it's a lot more fun yeah that's cool so you've had some other cool things i just want to hit on a few of these because i was just very entertained when i was researching okay and um so another one you guys set a record for the highest elevation reached by a taxi cab Mm -hmm. how did you set that was it intended to, to set this record or was it just a matter of, well, by the way, we caught a record on this trip. What, what happened during this story? Um, to cut a, a long story short, I was in the air force at the time and my friend got in touch with me and he said, I've got this idea. And I said, yeah, go on. And he said, well, yesterday we got ripped off by a cab again. I said, okay, surprise, surprise. And then they started researching uh, what the longest taxi ride in the world was and one one thing led to another anyway they said so we're going to do it can you help us do it and I said yeah so they came up with this plan to drive around the world and break so it was the idea to break the record for the longest taxi ride in the world and then 
um, I got made redundant and I said, look, you'll never guess this, but I'm actually going to be able to come with you. Um, I'll come and meet you in India. So we met there and then that's where the plan sort of came to the point where we're like, let's drive up to Everest base camp in this taxi. Because once you've done one or two things like this, anything that sounds a little bit crazy in the future just doesn't really phase you too much. You're just like, well, right. let's, let's at least give it a go. And um, actually, af- it was after Everest Base Camp that we got the record because we were in Tibet going over this road and we had a GPS that had our height on it. And obviously, we're, all of us were starting to feel the burn a little bit with the lack of oxygen. And yeah, we just saw 17,143 feet on our GPS. And we are just like, there can't be many taxis around the world that have been this high. <laughs> and, I'm not guessing. And it was just, yeah, it was just that night we went and had a few beers and we just thought uh, we should submit this to Guinness and see what they say. And yeah, so it was, it was literally as simple as that. There's no planning whatsoever. It was just a, it was just a, one of these freak moments. Luckily, it was recorded because they're quite anal on. You can't just say, oh, can I have a, a world record for this? Or like they're very, you must have this, this, this documentation. You must have three different ways of proving it. You must have signatures, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's a lot more, it's a lot harder than you might think, actually. Right. But, right. but we were having all this anyway from, for the longest taxi. So yeah, that's where the highest came from. <laughs> that's very cool well the most amazing things happen over a few pints right well yeah i mean i don't want to encourage mass boozing by any <laughs> means and i know that all my stories seem to be linked to beer but unfortunately <laughs> that's where all the best stories come from isn't it and and that's where the business idea came from and that's where yeah i don't i don't know it's just i guess you just become a little bit freer don't you you lose your anxiety a little bit and you drop your guard down a bit and you let your mind wander a little bit further than maybe it would normally and yeah, most people then the inhibitions are gone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then most people just like, yeah, but I couldn't do that. And then they just give up. <laughs> That's true. Well, when you do it with buddies, they, they hold your feet to the fire is what happens. That's how I ended up in Colorado. I used to live on the East Coast. Right. And uh, yeah, it was a few pints in a bar. And all of a sudden, within a month, we were in Colorado. And really? I've been here ever since. So Ex- best, best move of my life. Exactly, exactly. So sometimes you just have got to go with the flow. And sometimes you've got to think, like, why not? That's generally what I do. I'm like, well, why not? And um, yeah, what's the harm in giving stuff a go, really? Right. Well, that's what I love about your story is you just have this ability to just, you know, throw caution to the wind and just go try it. And that's, uh, you know, if more people would do that, um, life really begins at that point, you know? Yeah. And I think the less you do plan, the more fun that you have, which, yeah. I, I mean, there, there are minimum planning that you've got to do. I think diplomacy is probably the basic one, visas and that sort of stuff. Because there's, well, I, I mean, I've just been proved wrong last year, actually. I was going to say there's no, there's no way around borders and official rules of entering countries. But actually, I, the guy that taught me to paramotor, he went all the way from Vietnam back to Spain uh, with a motorbike that had no papers whatsoever. And he managed to convince every single border that um, actually this was fine and he should be let through. So, so even visas, you don't really need. I mean, I definitely, <laughs> wow. personally, I wouldn't plan on that because he, he did say I spent weeks and weeks on some borders and I said, yeah, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so apart from that, as long as you've got a, a rough direction and a rough plan, what, what more do you really need? I mean, everything else just sort of slowly slots in. Whereas if you plan things rigid, rigidly, all you need is one thing to go wrong and it has a huge knock-on effect for the whole rest of the trip and it just becomes a nightmare. Right. So, yeah, yeah it's much, much more fun. And, and you just never know who you're going to meet um, and which direction things are going to go and 
you might research something online and think, yeah, this is going to be brilliant. Let's stay here for a week. You get there and just think this is the worst place ever. And vice versa, you might just be driving through some random place and just think, wow, let's stay here. So it's really good to have this flexibility. Yeah, I think the the, the time is a is a big issue, obviously. Yeah. And that's what uh, that's kind of what blew me away about you guys going into Mongolia with this car that we were talking about <laughs> earlier. Is that you know you you have a little leave from the military and you get to go do something for a while, but but you take a car that it's a it's a huge unknown. And I mean, how <laughs> you you must have been plenty of parts of that trip where you're just on pins and needles and your nerves were just you know. <laughs> Like, man, when's the next time this thing's going to let go? Am I ever going to get back in time, you know? Uh, the Mongolia one, that, yeah, that was before the military. But oh, it was? I, okay. So I knew I had quite quite a few months. So that was probably, yeah, I could go pretty crazy with that. And it didn't really matter what happened there. Was, I mean, I had months and months. And I'd built in a good buffer for that. That's fine. But yeah, you, no, you're <laughs> right. Other ones where, the, where they say, right, okay, you've got three weeks or four weeks. Um yeah, you just have to build a little bit of a buffer in and just think, look, worst case, absolute worst case, um, we might have to sell the vehicle or leave the vehicle or get it crushed, which isn't the end of the world because I always travel in really cheap, crappy stuff. Um, and then we can get in the local's truck or rent a local's horse or donkey or something like that, get to the nearest train or train station or airport and fly out. Now, so even if that takes a few days, as long as you've got that in your head, as long as you're thinking that worst case, it's going to take us three days to get back or four days to get back, that's fine. Then it, then, right. then, then I can roll with it. Yeah, I'm definitely not thinking every single day, oh, no, I hope this doesn't happen. I hope that you don't want to be going away like that with that in your head. You just want to think, I've done my planning. I've got my contingency. Let's go. Yeah, you just have to let yourself be open to, yeah. to what is, is. You yeah. know, what happens yeah. is what's going to happen. And and stuff's never as bad as people think it is. I mean, yes, there's always the chance that that could happen. Um, but, yeah, I think you've, you've got to live your life at the end of the day, haven't you? You can't always look at the downsides and, and the what-ifs and this might happen and that might happen. I mean, you'll never leave your house. Yeah, absolutely. For 20 years, Bent Gate Mountaineering has been outfitting climbers, skiers, backpackers, and outdoor enthusiasts with the gear they need. Whether climbing an 8,000-meter peak or buying your first backcountry ski setup, Bent Gate is here to help. Bent Gate is continuing to offer free BC 101 sessions this winter, teaching backcountry ski boot and binding setup, avi safety and beacon practice, clothing systems, and tips and tricks to make your days more enjoyable. If you don't own the gear, Bent Gate offers a full range of rental and demo equipment. Bent Gate also has free demo ski days at local resorts to give you a chance for hands-on experience. Be sure to check bentgate.com for our full product selection as well as updates on all these events. The 180 Flame is the ideal alternative to bulky and fragile gas-burning camp stoves. The 180 Flame utilizes fewer parts with minimal weight and maximized reliability. The locking tab and slot design means there are no hinges, welds, or rivets to fail you in the field. Cook your food and boil water quickly using only small amounts of natural fuels including twigs, grass, pine cones, and leaves. Weighing just 6.4 ounces, the 180 Flame is the ideal alternative to a backpacking stove. You can find your new flame at 180tac.com or a retailer near you. 180 Flame. Think big, pack small.
So tell me a, a good story. Um, you know, maybe it's a, it's one of the adventures that I haven't read about yet. What is, uh, what's is one of the inspirational stories you can share with our audience? Um, inspirational. Hmm. Well, one thing that blew me away, to be honest, was um, I was in uh, Laos in Southeast Asia and I was actually driving the taxi. Um, and this is an old battered London cab. It had like half a million miles on the clock. And yeah, like you say, we'd had this reaction all the way around the world and people are quite stunned and impressed. And, and I follow a lot of different things adventure wise. So I've seen a lot of what goes on. And I just came around this corner and this car came basically head on and stopped right in front of me. And it was this old 1928 car with wooden wheels. And gen- genuinely, I didn't really know what was happening. I didn't know whether it was like the local mafia. I didn't know if we were being mugged or held up. Or And then this slightly um, malnourished guy, let's say, comes running out, flailing his arms. He's from Argentina. And he's like, hey, 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 guys, hey, guys. I was just like, who is this guy? <laughs> and um, <laughs> he'd been driving this car around the world for 13 years with his family. Sorry, with his wife initially. And they'd had four children on the road, all of which had been homeschooled in the back of the car. And wow. all of them were multilingual. And they all just come bumbling out of this car. They've clearly been living like on a cheap budget, just rice, basically. And um, yeah, they're, they're all happy as Larry. And the oldest child was 11 years old. He'd never been to his home country. He'd just literally been traveling his whole life. And I, I just sort of sat there for a bit. I've, I've, my hair's stand on end, actually, now when I think of that and just think, do you know what? You really only have one life on this planet. And uh, I know it's not for everyone, but I just thought that was such a great way to begin life for these kids. Yeah, that's amazing. Holy cow. I mean, that, that, those kids have, they have no place to say they're from. No. I mean, they're from the world. How yeah. cool is that? It is cool. And, and, and whenever I've told people this story, they're always just like, oh, yeah, Matt, but what about socializing with other people and what about their roots and all that sort of stuff? I'm like, well, that can come later. And they did say that the plan is to go to university. Um, but I just think it's such a great foundation in life. Um, and they're not scared of anything. And they've seen the world and they know what it's all about. And yeah, so they can go to uni, get the qualifications that they need, and then set off on whatever path they will. I mean, yeah, who knows? It's oh, yeah. probably going to be working He's... remotely. No, if you've, if you've been brought up like that, I'm not sure. You could just, <laughs> exactly. you could just say, right, I'm just going to stay here now for the next 30 years. <laughs> right. I've traveled too much. I'm going to plant myself. But yeah, these kids are multilingual. They've met all kinds of people from all yeah. corners of society. And, and you're going to claim they're not socialized? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really? exactly. And, <laughs> and, and they just take every single day as it comes. And uh, I mean, honestly, uh, that's one of my favorite stories that blew me away. And, and it sort of teaches you to think that whatever you hear is the most amazing thing. There'll always be one better. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I imagine, you know, if that were me out there, I would be pretty proud of myself thinking, man, I'm doing a cool thing. And, you know, and, and granted, you know, not many people out there running around the world in a, in a London taxi cab with half a million miles on it. And then you come across somebody that has done this and it's got to, you just got to be looking at them thinking, wait a minute, I was doing something awesome, but look at you. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't as though in my head, I was just thinking, oh, this is, it. but it was just, it's the reaction that you get from people. And then we, right. because obviously there's three or four of us in the car all the time, always chatting about stuff and always coming up with new ideas and just thinking, oh, I wonder what else we could do. And now this is possible. What else is possible? And so when you see like a guy in a 1928 car with wooden wheels, you're just like, well, now that's the new possible. And then it, there's always, yeah, like I say, there's always one better. 
And um, that is cool. Yeah. And so it just shows that actually, yeah, I think I, I genuinely think if you put your mind to it, most people can achieve anything that they want to achieve. And yes, yeah. I hear all the excuses or oh, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I've got family to look after. And there are a few genuine ones that I actually listen to. Like if you've got to care for someone 24 hours a day or something like that. But I, I, I genuinely think that everything else is all down to lifestyle choices, really. And think if you really tighten your purse a bit and didn't spend money on booze and smoking and all that and materialistic rubbish. Um, and you started saving some of that money, you'd be amazed how far that goes around the world. Yeah, no, that's well said. And I think it's it's so easy to slip into that, that rut yeah, of, of, of getting those items and thinking that's what is uh, important and what's going to make you happy. And Of course. You know, it doesn't really do that. It has a temporary effect. And after that, it's just junk in the garage. Yeah, and then people feel they've gone too far down the line and they're stuck in this rut and there's no way that they can get out of it. Um, but yeah, I totally disagree with that, I'm afraid. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it, people. Stop spending stuff and get out there and have some fun. And, yeah, and yeah. Why some... not? What's the worst that can happen? And, and, and exactly. generally, what is the worst that can happen? Oh, well, you have to come back to your life. It's not as, it's yeah. not as though you can't do that. But, but then on the flip side, what could happen? You just never know who you're going to meet and what doors might open. I mean, I found my fiance on the side of a muddy river. And now, yeah, we're about to get married in Hong Kong and stuff. So, yeah, it's crazy. Cool. Congratulations. It is, thank you. It is crazy what, what can happen from these sort of things. And that's why oh, I keep absolutely. doing more and more because it just keeps getting better and better, basically. Well, I mean, you know, it's a drug at this point. <laughs> it know, is. At this point, you have to be hooked. It is. And and to be honest, even if I wanted to stop, I, I, I can't. I need it just to right. balance sanity, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can I can totally relate to that. So it's all about inspiration. Um, your the business that you founded, the Matt Pryor Adventure Academy, yes. um, is is in close lockstep with what we're trying to do with this podcast, and that is to inspire people with cool stories and experiences, and 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 get them really psyched up uh, about getting out there and doing some cool stuff. So, yeah. tell me about uh, Matt Pryor Adventure Academy. Why is it you started it? What triggered it? And you know. What do you do for people, and what can they expect out of the you know uh, hiring you to uh, to take them out? Well, it all started again through t- um, people. I, I really like helping people achieve their dreams, or I like people. I like encouraging people just to go for it. And so, what I call pub dreams again, people get drunk, they come up with all these crazy ideas, and in the morning they forget about them. And then at the same time, people are just like, "Oh, Matt, these photos are cool. This video is cool. Blah blah blah." And that, but I can't do it because of this, this, and this. Um, and then over time, I was just thinking, do you know what? There's nothing out there that actually brings all this stuff together and gives people almost a safety net to allow them to give something a go or to show them that actually they're much more capable than they think they are. And they just need a little bit of guidance in a certain direction and shown how to do just one or two things. It's not as much as you might think. And then the world's your oyster, basically. Um, and so I went to Indo with my girlfriend a couple of years ago and way off the beaten track and we literally went after seeing two photographs and uh, I said come on let's go and do this we'll get a motorbike and we'll go and explore this area and she said all right Matt I really want to do more of the stuff that you do a bit like an introduction to it and I said all right let's give that a go and as we came back on the plane home she was buzzing and everything sort of fell into place and I just thought this place is only four hours from Hong Kong I could run this alongside my career um, and I really think that I could help people achieve whatever they wanted to do. And so that's what I did. I started setting it up. 
Um, and since then, yeah, we so it's a one week course basically, and it includes um, volcanoes, motorbikes, villages way off the beaten path. There's no English, there's no phone signal, there's uh, there's no internet. Um, and you, you, what I've tried to do is compress the highs and lows of an adventure, a big adventure, into one week, which sounds nah, there's no way you can do that, Matt. But actually, we're pretty busy, and the general feedback is most people feel like they've been away for two and a half to three weeks because you're so away from normal life you feel massively yeah you feel like you've been away for a long time and then the aim of it all really is just to help people overcome fear and just have a bit of a laugh and learn the basics of of adventure from conception to completion and everything that you need to consider when you're thinking of launching something big or even something small yeah, I think launching is is a key word. As I was looking into it, it's that's what came to me. It's like the launch pad for adventure because a lot of us have uh, big dreams, or we see or hear people like you, and you're talking about the cool things you've done, and yeah, you kind of you know mentally you're up to that point. Mm-hmm. You're thinking, oh yeah, of course I want to do that. But going that 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 last mile, that little extra effort to put you over the edge to actually getting there yeah. is probably the toughest piece of it at all. And, and it sounds like what you provide to them is just push them over the edge, you know, sign up, let's go do this. And we're going to basically launch you into this life of adventure. Honestly, Travis, I don't give away too much uh, on the website and that's deliberate because I think the biggest thing is dealing with the unknown. And so when people actually get there and meet me in Indonesia, they're, 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 they are a little bit nervous. And, and I sit them down. I say, look, you've done the hardest part. The hardest part is coming here and not really knowing what you're getting yourself into. But you've paid money. You've got on an airplane and you've landed and you've met me when you said you would. And I said, just the fact that you've done that shows me that you've 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 got enough for what it takes. That 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 is, like you say, by far the hardest point. Um, and I yeah. and I deliberately withhold the information because a I don't want it to be a tour. And B, once I know that people can deal with the unknown and just throw themselves into it and they don't know how long something's going to take and they don't really know where they're going, um, then they've got over the hardest part of adventure, basically, or or, or dealing with the unknown. And then they can just go and do anything. Then it's just just putting the few little pieces in place to enable things to happen. And everyone's different. And that's what's cool about it. And that's why I take small courses and I'll just sit them down and say, like, what do you really want to get out of this? And then I'm able to almost tailor it individually to each person. So do you find it's more, you know, that the, the majority of people are trying to get over a, a fear of, of getting started? Or do you think it's just the curiosity has bubbled up to the point where they finally said, you know what, I'm going to do it. I don't care what it brings. This is what I'm going to do. Um, all sorts of different people. And, and I really mean that. I mean, there's, yeah, there's some, there's some people that just sort of get stuck in their lives and they're just like, um, I, I hate my life. I'm really unhappy. I'm sort of coming to this age. I've got money in the bank, but I've, I've never, I've never really pursued anything. I've always been a bit too scared. And some, and, and some are just like the beauty about this, Matt, is it's only a week. I'm, I'm not having to take months off work. It's not a massive risk. It's just one week, and it's, it's effectively dipping your toe. And I think that's what most people like about it. It's just like I'm just going to go and try this, and then see what happens. But I need to go and do this for whatever reason. And then others, like the reasons I got a lot involved in a lot of ventures is something bad might have happened in people's lives. Like you might have lost your job or family members or, or, or good friends or something like that. And they just, need, they just need to cut away from everything and just reset. And some people, they, they like to think they can do that within their normal life. But actually in this interconnected world that we're in now, it's quite hard to do. Um, and so to go to the other side of the planet and completely disconnect actually really helps people sort of unplug and reset 
and just look at themselves and think, right, okay, now I'm ready to go off in whatever direction that I've decided. Right. So, right. so yeah, there's definitely not a, oh, it's this type of person that comes. There's lots of different reasons people come. And, and I like that. It keeps it interesting for me. Oh, absolutely. I imagine you get diversified groups. You said you have small groups. About how many yeah. people would you three. take on, a, on each trip? All I take is three people. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, and um, when I launched it um, in London at the Adventure Travel Show, that was by far the biggest appeal. Because you know a lot of these sort of travel companies are like, oh, our groups are really small. And then you're like, oh, yeah, how small are they? And they're like, only 14. It's like, well, it's not really that small, is it? <laughs> right. But with a, No, I think that's a niche thing you have there. It's really cool that you're doing it that way. Yeah, and with a small group, you ha- again, you have the flexibility. So you don't have to plan that much because you can get three people under a roof or on transport. Do, do you know what I mean? So whereas if you've got sort of 15 or something like that, everything has to be planned way ahead of time. And Right. Yeah, it's just not as close and intimate. And I don't think the people get out of it what they could. Whereas if you've got three, there's a lot of one-on-one time. I mean, up and down volcanoes and stuff and up through the jungles into the villages, you've got a lot of time where people can just walk alongside me, just asking me questions for hours and hours. And I like it. It's, yeah, it's good. Oh, yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't. That sounds awesome. <laughs> well, good for you for finding something, uh, a way to uh, to be employed and do what you absolutely love. I mean, I hope this thing grows and grows and grows. And uh... Yeah, well... I mean, it's it's gone through the roof, to be honest. Like, I had a five-year plan, and that's already been smashed in four months. So Very cool. um, things are moving quickly, and there's obviously a demand for this. Um, uh, and like, like you say, yeah, the, the main thing is just getting people to say, do you know what, I'm, de- I'm going to go and do this, because there's a lot of talkers out there. And um, right. yeah, I'm slowly losing patience with that sort of stuff. <laughs> I, I, even finding people to come on adventures with me and all that sort of stuff i, I almost say like I'm, I'm not interested in words i want actions and once right. you provide actions then i'll listen to you but if it's just lots and lots of hot air then um yeah I, i'm starting to lose patience with that yeah words are the easiest i gotta say i absolutely love your site the um you've somehow managed to um bring out the or instill the curiosity you know as 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 one visits your site to inspire them to go do something cool but like you said you'd kind of hold back um on what it is you're telling them so you're 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 sitting there looking at it researching looking through the the various uh, information and videos and you're yeah. you're saying man this is really cool but i don't know exactly what it is i yeah. you know i'm seeing here and i think that's a that's a really neat element that you have to this is that you're you're keeping that that um that element of surprise or that expectation uh as part of the adventure yes and i think that's an important thing to do and i've had so many journalists try and get information out of me and so many competitors who are trying to get information out of me and that's another reason as well why I'm keeping my mouth shut because I this is such an amazing part of the world and having been to so much of the world I, I really know that if, if I think something's amazing and what you can do in one week that you can't do anywhere else in the world I really want to protect that and I don't want oh, it yeah. teeming with hundreds and thousands of people and becoming overrun and just destroying it basically so that that's that's a big that's a big reason as well why I, I sort of protect it. But also, even if people do find out, which it's not the hardest in the world to find to find out. But once you sit down and do a few plans and logistics and stuff, people give up instantly because they're like, "Nah, this is too hard." So right. so it does have a bit of natural protection to it anyway, and that and that is a big reason why um, why it still is like it is. I'm, I'm not saying I'm the only person in the world that can find these places. But to actually but make your, something work, 
that that's that's a whole different element right that's your fishing hole you want to protect it yeah yeah <laughs> i mean and, and it makes the experience better for the people that come as well and right. if it was like an itinerary oh at 10 o'clock we do this at 11 o'clock we do this like it's just boring as hell you just like where's where's the fun in that and where's the adventure in that how can you call something an adventure if you're going to do that it's, it's not an adventure and people loosely like to it i mean the term adventure has become very fashionable recently That's um, true. and people attach it to all sorts of stuff and to be honest 95 percent of it is a load of rubbish like it's not adventurous at all you're just putting that on to sell it um and so yeah the the idea of an adventure for me is 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 pursuing the unknown sort of thing and if it's not unknown, then it's not an adventure. I think that's the vagueness of adventure. Um, you can take, you know, many different people, you know, from many walks of life, and adventure really is a different definition for each one of those massively, those people. Massively, yeah, yeah. And, so, and people unfortunately, have different boundaries I think that's, and all sorts of stuff. Exactly. I think that's why the word gets a little diluted because of that, because everybody has a different perception of it. You know, so some people think adventure is, you know, risking your life, you know, jumping off of a, a cliff or, you know, uh, you know, skydiving or, you know, doing stuff that is is death defying where adventure doesn't have to be that adventure. No, no, not at all. It's about getting out of your comfort zone, you know. Yeah. And, and like you say, for every single person, it's very different. And yeah, there's there's very different extremes. I mean, you can climb Mount Everest naked with no oxygen or you can just walk to your next village. And, and literally that is that are the extremes and everything else in between. Right. Yeah, exactly. So mine's a bit <laughs> of a balance and I'm able to tailor it to whoever comes, really. So if I've got some really hardcore nutcases, then, yeah, there's some stuff that I can do to push them. Like I've been in Marines, I've inquired and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, if, if you want, I can make this so it's hard and really push you. Or there's other people like Matt, I'm really scared about all this sort of stuff. I just literally just want to dip my toe. And I say, well, that's fine, but there has to be an element of me pushing you a bit. Otherwise, you're not going to get anything out of it. Are you curious about long distance hiking? Do you want to learn more? Check out Through Hiking 101, a six-week online course created by Adventure Sports Podcast guest, long-distance hiker Liz Thomas in Backpacker Magazine. You'll receive videos, stories, budget, food, and gear worksheets, a webinar, and personalized attention as you plan your trip of a lifetime. Go to www.tinyurl.com slash thruhiking101 or Google Through Hiking 101 at Adventure University. Slow Boat to the Bahamas is a funny look at getting the sailing bug, preparing for, and going on the big trip with a four-year-old and a four-pound dog. Linus Wilson recounts how his family sailed from New Orleans to the Bahamas in 2015. In its first week, Slow Boat to the Bahamas Kindle version was the number one bestseller in all three of its categories, sailing narratives, Bahamas, and cruises. And as you can tell from the podcast we had with Linus, this book's gotta be a hoot. Pick up your copy today.
So do you have um, do you have prior contact and do you put similar groups together like like-minded people together or do you really just arrange uh, three people and then they come together and you kind of decide how to tailor the trip at that point? It's a mix. So um, yes, if I, if, I, if I get a group of three that want to come along, then great because A, they know each other and B, um, yeah, they've got an idea of why they want to come and they, they all have a good time and that's all part of the group. But I think at the same time, I've also had completely random people turn up and I think that's great as well. You can have sort of a 25-year-old girl and a 50-year-old bloke and I don't know, someone else in the middle sort of thing and they might come from all three different countries and just that in itself literally just day one meeting someone from china someone from australia someone from new zealand someone from the states do you know what i mean that in itself is quite mind-blowing for most for for some people right and then i sit them down and they're like okay now what do you want to get out of this and then we go and do this so then you've got the bonding between each other everyone's way out of their comfort zone but, but at the same time they're going through the same experience and so real friendships are developed that way as well. So, yeah, I, I have no real preference, to be honest. I mean, I, I like doing either. And I, and I like it interesting for me. It'd be boring for me if the same type of people of the same age and the same sex were coming every single time. Like it'd be, it, it, I mean, people are great. But, yeah, after a while, it'd just be like it's the same. But I love the variety. And I've had oh, yeah. literally inquiries from all sorts of different people from all walks of life. So that's great. Yeah, I imagine that that gives you the same amount of gratification just getting uh, varied uh, people from you know, various societies in and uh, not the same walk of life all the time. Yeah, That's cool. yeah. And my aim with this as we go further down the track is um, I, I really want to start to take um, the disadvantage and get them involved as well so that you've got two sort of sides of things. You've got the people who, yeah, they've got the cash and they want to push themselves a bit more. That's fine. But there's also the people that haven't really had a great start in life through no fault of their own. Um, and I want to sort of take them on something similar to this and show them, look, this is what you're capable of. And you just got to look forward and not backwards. And I know you've had a bit of a crappy start, but if you just keep looking at life like this, it's just going to become a downward depression. Whereas actually, if you just think, hmm, I've done exactly the same as this person and I'm more than capable of doing it. I wonder what else I can achieve in life. Right. So, yeah, yeah there's there's lots of different angles I want to go with this. Very cool. So do you hear back from people that have been on your trips and do they tend to use this as a launch pad? You find that they're out doing some really cool things on their own now? Um, I mean, it's a bit early to say in terms of really cool things like big, massive trips, because anything that's generally a big, massive trip does take a bit of time to um, plan or get the time off or get the money together or decide what they quite want to do. So I, I, I'm still not, I mean, this is a really young business at the moment. So I'm not at the stage where I'm like, oh yeah, we've got 10 people that have gone off and done this and gone off and done this. Right. But what I actually like is real people have come back to me and said, Matt, like I took my family camping for the first time. We went hiking and we put all the stuff on our backs and, um, and I, you, I used the tricks that you showed me how to light a fire and my husband was blown away. And so all that sort of stuff to me, I, I love because I'm just like, do you know what? For them, that's, that's such a huge step. And then I've got someone else who had a friend in a wheelchair and um, they're very well off, but they always have like a five-star lifestyle. And, um, they, and they just said, Matt, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take them on an adventure. Like the, they've got the money, but just because they're in a wheelchair or something like that, that they feel that that should stop them. And so, yeah, I'm in the process of helping them with that. So, yeah, there's lots of different um, 
different people doing different things really and like i say that's what keeps it interesting so yeah definitely things are in the pipeline and i got some really nice messages over christmas and new year about how i've had a positive effect on people's lives and this is what they're planning and that's what they're planning so yeah yeah it's definitely it's definitely doing its job that's great well that's a real reward right there you know it's uh the reward and people getting back to you and letting you know that they they are now okay taking on the adventurous life themselves. It doesn't have to be a major trip up, you know, Everest or something like that. But the fact that you have got them, uh, you know, over that hump and able to to take on things themselves, and that's got to be awesome. Yeah, and actually, a lot of them have come back to me and saying that you need to have a, a sort of a level two course and a level three course. So almost repeat customers generating itself, and that wasn't really ever part of the plan. But yeah. So that they there you go. they want sort of the next level. They're like, yeah, I really want to do this, but now <laughs> now I want to do it because because it is an introduction. It's nice weather and um, it's not too hardcore, as it were. Yes, I can push people a little bit, but if I was going to do a level two, then I'd be like, okay, well, now you've got the basics. Let's go and put you some in some bad weather and see how you fare with that. Do you know what I mean? So you can slowly yeah, build it absolutely. up and up and up to the point where. Yeah, and and then there's some people that just like having the safety net for for whatever reason. Like they they just like this is adventurous enough for me, Matt, and this is what I want to do. I'd never to go and do it on my own, but I love the fact that you're sort of there just to watch my back, but I'm basically doing it. Right. Yeah. There's so many options to yeah. to twist it there. Yeah. That's good. So. That's good to have. So let's tell people about how they find you. I want to encourage people to go check out your site and and look into it more. So okay. where can they go? Um, there's my business website and my personal website. So my personal one is um, Matt Pryor, P-R-I-O-R, um, .co.uk. And if you just write Matt Pryor Adventure into Google, it all comes up. And then from there, there's links. Or the business one is mpadventureacademy.com. The, okay. <laughs> it's a bit of a pain. There's a there's a famous cricketer called Matt Pryor who played for England and all that sort of stuff. So if you just Google Matt Pryor, he, he's all over the place first. Oh, really? <laughs> so he, he's my number one competition. But he's just retired, so hopefully he'll slowly slip down the Google ranks and my stuff will slowly start going up. But, um, well, that sounds like a good goal for you. <laughs> you can outrank him now. But yeah, if you just type my name and adventure in Google, like loads of stuff comes up and there's all links to all sorts of stuff on there. So I'm not hard okay. to find. And then I'm well, pretty and- active on Twitter and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, of course we'll get all that stuff uh, linked up in the show okay. notes so people can easily go to our site and, and find you there. But I would definitely encourage people to go check it out. It's really cool. So how about we go over a little bit of advice? What are some words of advice you would have for people that kind of have that that issue of, you know, man, I, I really, you know, mentally I'm an adventurous person, but I mm-hmm. haven't really quite pulled that trigger. What would be some some little nuggets you would offer them? Um, I think I think the main thing is that at the end of the day, you've just got to take the plunge. And if that means, um, I don't know if, Everyone knows what a bivy bag is, but a bivy bag is effectively, it's like a waterproof sleeping bag, but it's a cover for the sleeping bag. So if you bought a sleeping bag or borrowed a sleeping bag and then took a bivy bag and just went and slept out on a hill near to your house, maybe 20 minutes away, it cost nothing um, and slept under the stars. I think that's sort of the very first step that I encourage people to take. Um, because you sort of start connecting with nature and just think, actually, this isn't too bad, and actually, it's quite nice, and actually, it's nice not to have phone signal and be pestered by the internet and blah 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 blah. And um, yeah, and then you just build from there. And and if camping isn't your thing, just talk to people, talk to people that have done it before, and soon you realise actually 
these people look like nutcases or that they're really skilled in some way, but they're not. They're just normal people that have a dream and just thought, yeah, why not? Let's go for it. And I think, like you said previously, the hardest thing is definitely getting started. But once you get started, momentum builds. You'd be amazed the people that come out the woodwork. You'd be amazed the people that want to help you um, fulfill your dream or your goals because they don't have the balls to do it themselves. So by helping you, they feel they're doing it a little bit. They're like vicariously living through you. It's really strange. And whenever I come up with my next idea, there's always someone that comes out the woodwork that I haven't maybe spoken to for five years. And we build up a really close relationship because they're just like, oh, Matt, yeah, I really want to help with this. And this is what I do now. And yeah, so I, I love it. I, I, <clears throat> I think that's the most important thing. And the other thing is you don't have to plan too much. You don't have to have too much money. You don't have to have all the right gear. Um, I think you just have to go and go with the flow and just be open to everything and everyone. And just, yeah, just keep your wits about you if you if you are going to go to slightly dubious places. But, <laughs> but yeah, that, no, well, nothing's as bad as it seems, basically. Yeah, I think they're good points of advice. Um, you know, I think there's safety in numbers, at least psychologically. So if you're you know, a little nervous about going, do it. Find a friend. Yeah, find, find two friend. friends find, that are yeah. also nervous. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And just think, do you know what? We're all, in the, we're all at the same level. We all want to do the same sort of thing. Let's go and do this. And then if it all goes wrong, we can just laugh about it later. <laughs> Honestly, like Go to the pub and have a pint. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I do think this is possible. But yeah, for the first thing, go and do something for a day or for the weekend. I mean, honestly, what's the worst that can happen? Not, not really that much. And then you, you'll start, you'll come back and yeah, go to the pub and have a pint and just think, well, that wasn't too bad. Let's go and do this. And then before you know it, like you'll be doing big things and you'll look back and just think, wow, that came from. I think there's so much stuff on the internet now that. Um, there's so much information out there that tells you what you need to do. I, I, I still think the struggle is how to do it. Um, but yeah, I think the main thing is getting the ball rolling and talk, talking to people. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so easy with, with all of the information at our fingertips, it, it can paralyze us. Yes. Uh, yeah. One, it can paralyze us because we want to plan too much, but it can also paralyze us with fear. You hear so much bad about yeah. you know, the world, you know, but it's just not that way. And anytime you ever talk to anybody that's out there actually doing it, they're the first ones that tell you, no, you know, don't listen to that. It's not that way. Yeah. And there is a lot of fear mongers and obviously parents and people like that, they do have your, your best interests at heart. But yeah, I, I really hate it when someone finds sort of one article off the internet. They're like, oh, you can't go there. Look, this is going to happen. I'm just like, that's, <laughs> that's one person who you have no idea how true that actually is. Okay. Let's say it did happen, but in actual probability and percentages of everything else that goes on around the world, it's nothing. Like it, and you're really going to stop your whole dream just because of this one article. I, I just think it's a bit ridiculous, to be honest. And I, I'm, don't be naive about it. I, obviously, if you're going to go for this sort of thing, yeah, have it in the back of your head and just think, well, okay, I'm, I'm aware that this has happened before. So you, you do have to have some sort of level of um, awareness, but it, sh it shouldn't stop you, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Like the world's a big place and there's so much stuff out there. And if you're just going to sit there talking about all the bad things that can happen, you just, yeah. I mean, another thing I look at in life, actually, there's these top five regrets of the dying. And, and I really do recommend that people Google that. And there's a link off my website to it, actually. And I think about that sort of stuff all the time. And that will really make you think like when I'm 80 years old, sitting in my wheelchair, do I really want to look back on life and have these regrets? 
Yeah, that's the best thing. Yeah, I've I've looked that up myself, and it really makes you think because you don't want to be that person no. looking back and thinking, well, that was kind of a waste of life. Yeah, you know, I wish I could go back and do that. And all these people that they've interviewed are telling you right in your face, don't be paralyzed. You know, go and do the things that that are outside your comfort zone because you will look back on them and you will think, okay, that was a life well lived. Yeah, and and this is thousands of people. Like they haven't just asked like four people in the U.S. in one state. They've asked thousands of people this and they've all come to this conclusion. And yeah, I, I even wrote a blog on it and I don't really like writing. I'm that passionate about this. And I'm just like, this will happen to you unless you do something about it. Like, yeah. This is going to happen. These are going to be your regrets. You are going to be lying there thinking, I wish I did this, 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 this and this. And so a real big part of my life is like, I will not have any of those regrets. And if things go wrong on the way, oh, well, it's all part of the story. I'd much, <laughs> I'd, I'd much rather do that than have regrets. Like regrets to me are the biggest, the biggest thing that I really do not want to live my life with. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm uh, happy to be in the fight with you and try to keep people from, you know, finishing out their lives with no regrets. Yeah, it's good, Travis. It's good. It's good. We only have a one life and it's short and it goes bloody quickly. I mean, I can't believe I'm 31 already, but yeah, time flies when you're having fun, I guess, doesn't it? That's right. It goes faster and faster and faster. That's the whole point of it. Have fun. So, yeah. So my favorite part of adventure is when things kind of get you in a bind, they don't go so right. Mm-hmm. And you have to problem solve to get out of them. I love problem solving. Yep. And those are some of the best stories in in my opinion. So do you have one that you can share with us that really kind of got you in a pickle, but you had to get out of it? What happened there? Um. Well, yeah. I mean, I've got millions of stories and a lot of them are to do with vehicles breaking down in bad situations um and rather than sort of tell a specific story i think the big thing that i've learned is that when these things happen you feel like oh no the world's going to end and this has all gone wrong and we're all going to die and blah 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 but i think what i've learned is that's because you're letting emotions overtake you so i think if you can just think okay this has happened whatever it is i need to stand back i need to try and take the emotion out of this i know that's easier said than done and and then I imagine myself in a little helicopter looking down on the situation and just thinking that these are the facts. This is actually what's happening. No, no emotion. That's what's happening. This is what's available to you resource wise. And these are the options of how to solve it. And that's basically what I do now. And and if you just approach each problem like that, things are never as bad as it seems. Um, luckily, we've had no one actually die involved in anything that I've done adventurous wise. But um, yeah, a lot of bad stuff, like wheels have come off and engines have blown up and like several crashes and breaking down in the middle of nowhere with mafia around and gypsies around. And yeah, so I've been in a lot of these situations, had guns pointed at my head. But yeah, this is definitely what I've learned. Definitely just try and keep a cool head. And um, yeah, things are never as bad as they seem. And, and, And what a surprise, you can always solve them or there's people around that will always solve them because... People like also like you, they like to solve problems and I like to solve problems. And so if you're just like, this is my problem, they're like, okay. Yeah, no, I agree. I I kind of do the same thing you do, or I, I actually end up putting myself into a position where we're home safe and warm yeah. and we're having a good laugh about what it is we just endured, you know? So it's a matter of mentally you put yourself beyond the problem so that you can get through because you know you're going to get through it. You know you're going to solve it. Yeah. 
and you know you're gonna it all, it's all gonna come out right. You just got to get through that hard point of it, and that's uh, it's all about putting your your mental state in the right spot. Yeah, like imagine watching yourself on TV and sort of laughing and just like, oh, this guy's a bit screwed. And then <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. and then yeah, you sat there on a couch just watching it and then thinking, oh, this is what I'd do if I was in his situation. It's all very well to say that when you're sat in, like you say, in your home warm and <laughs> you, you're eating your dinner just giggling away. But then that, that's a good place to put yourself because then you're just like, well, you are in that situation, Matt. You're not watching yourself. So now what are you going to yeah, do? Oh, man, that's me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, yeah. Me. <laughs> and, then, and then reality bites you and just think, hmm, actually. And yeah, and then I'd, I think humans are capable of so much more than um, people think they are. And uh, when survival instinct kicks in and the adrenaline gets going, honestly, you'd be amazed of, uh, yeah, of what, what people are capable of. Yeah, yeah. And you hear all these stories, you know, like... Um, out, out in, in wars when um, like these massive trucks blow up or something like that and their mates get stuck underneath it and just one guy lifts this several ton truck with his bare hands and people are just like what but that 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 just shows like when adrenaline kicks in and survival nature kicks in and then you ask that guy to do that the next day and obviously they can't but it I love hearing those stories because I'm just like yeah I'm not surprised that that happened right so yeah that's truly mind over matter it is it is and it and as long as yeah as long as you don't panic i think a lot of people are a long a lot of people are very panicky or, or just look at the downside all the time or oh no the world like this is the worst thing ever and i told you this is going to happen and then all the bitching starts and the argument well none of that solves anything does it sometimes no, you just got to no. sit down at the side of the road and just have a bit of a giggle about it and just think <laughs> let's have a, let's have an hour out of this regardless that's of some of the happening. best uh that's some of the best uh, problem-solving time right there, just uh, <laughs> going a little loopy on the side of the road it, and getting past it. <laughs> yeah, it is. And then you're just like, okay, this problem is still here. It hasn't miraculously gone away. Now let's solve it. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, all the, that's half the fun of it. That, like, that is why I take rubbish vehicles to crazy countries, because I love problem-solving. I love going around a corner and just like, oh, now this has happened. Now what are you going to do? I just love it. Right. It's like a right. – and I think it really develops you as a person and it – and Obviously, it gives you a load of stories and it just makes life interesting, doesn't it? Rather than, uh, I don't know, I'm going to get in my car at seven o'clock in the morning and drive to work the same way. And then I'm going to do the same job and then I'm going to go home and then go to sleep and do the same again. I mean, yeah. Yeah. What's the fun in a car that starts? (laughs) Exactly. It's boring after a while. Well, it depends how much value (laughs) your job, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. How much your boss likes that. Right on. Well, Matt, man, it's been uh, it's been a blast talking to you. I was uh, I was really interested in getting you on because I knew you'd have some fun stuff to share with us. And like I said, keep on fighting the good fight. It's all about just inspiring people to get out there and and do the the crazy zany stuff because that's when you know you're living. You know. So I appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, I would like to uh, touch base in the future and just see how things are going. No, cheers, Travis. It's really good, really good to have a chat. And I always come off these conversations buzzing. Yeah, just, makes you want to get out. Yeah, and do, yeah, do it does. Stuff. It does. Well, I got a few big <laughs> things in the pipeline, so now I need to. Uh, yeah, it gives you an extra boost to get those things actually happening, rather than just talking about them. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I wish you all the luck with uh, the Adventure Academy, and we'll do our best to send people your way and uh, and get them off the couch and go do some cool stuff. So, cheers. Much appreciated. All right. All right. Take care. All right. Have a good weekend. You too. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Be sure to swing by iTunes and Stitcher to subscribe there so you can hear all of our episodes as they become available. 
And don't forget to share the Adventure Sports Podcast with your friends and family on Twitter and Facebook. Everybody deserves a little adventure in their ears.